Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. One more pick, Station Jack. Sent him out. Matt Burner on the board. SP features up 20. As they features up 30. Up. Up. Wow. Up is a. Not a word we've been using too much lately when, in regards to the market, mm. uh, but we're trying it today. We have the CPI numbers coming out at 7.30. We'll see where those land with a thud or with, with air for the market. We'll see. Do we have uh, Mr. Lou? We do indeed. Lou, what's up, bud? Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing all right. Hanging in there. It's a blustery cold day here in Chicago. The Bears are going to be playing 45 gr- degrees tonight, and uh, our, our executive producer, Mr. Weber, their softball game is... Scheduled for 9.30 in the wind and cold, and the idea is to go to the bar and watch the bear game first, then go play softball. I'm not so sure that that's the right plan, but mm-hmm. um, I guess it is the plan. <laughs> what can I say? Um, you know, I, I, I always laugh about people out here in Denver talking about, you know, if you, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes, because it, it always seemed to me in Chicago that the weather was... was in, in a lot of ways, as changeable as it is here in the mountains, and I assume it's because of the proximity to the lake. But, but in any event, uh, welcome to welcome to fall, right? Yeah, um, it, it is. Uh, it, it arrived kind of yesterday afternoon, so it's a uh, matter of fact. I should have been one jacket to the warmer this morning, but uh, I'll survive. You know, you, you learn to survive these things. But I have a question for well, you. I know you just, just 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 remember one of my father's favorite sayings. There's no such thing as bad weather. There is only bad plumbing. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, what's the uh, the old euphemism? You can always put enough clothes on to be warm. You can't take enough off to be cool. I yeah. agree. That's that's exactly right. Um, I have a question for you. My, uh, my, my right-wing attackers on the weekends, which of which there are many, um, you and I have talked, I, I think... Maybe I don't, you and I have talked about it, but I'm not so sure we talked about it as much as maybe Kevin or somebody. But the idea of the uh, the amazing amount of Asian people—I say Asian, I should just say Chinese because I don't think the rest of the people have the same situation. But the Chinese people are over here getting their money, their tuition paid for by the government. Of course, places like the University of Illinois that are you know I don't know what, what's happened to the state, but can't wait to get these people in class. Here and not let anybody from Illinois in because they pay 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 full bore, right? Well, the story always has been that the uh, Chinese government, uh, sneaky as they are, does not not let go people people come here essentially unfettered. So if somebody would all of a sudden start demonstrating at the University of Illinois against the Chinese government, they would know about it before the newspapers here would. And uh, oh yeah, and and their families their families yeah. back in China would have their social. Scores of uh, scores affected. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the purpose in many cases of the uh, so-called Confucius societies or whatever they're they're known as uh, on a lot of campuses that are simply hubs for Chinese government control of the students that are there, as well as uh, espionage centers. 
But we never really uh, opined or dug into it or had anybody say anything about how exactly, for lack of a better term, the Chinese uh, secret police in the U.S. is organized. And yet, last weekend, uh, and of course my you know my right-wingers are all over this epic times as being the truth of the world. And I read some stuff there. I mean, I, I've learned some stuff from those guys, so it's not like I don't read it. Uh, they claim that there actually is a, a full storefront now in New York that was rented specifically for this purpose, and everybody's okay with it. I... I don't know how they were organized before. They I mean they must have had a location or a place, or there must be people here. I mean, I, I assume that. I don't know. Like I said I'm asking the question. I don't know, but I think it's pretty, pretty ballsy. <laughs> they actually have a, a storefront that says, you know, Chinese secret police on the front doors. I mean, I, I'm sure it doesn't say something that bizarre, but is it? I guess my question is, how was it organized before, clandestinely, and now why is it okay with anybody? And when, what do you, by the way, what do you do about it if it's not? Well, okay, so so according to the story, and it's not the Epic Times, it's the New York Post. Okay. Uh, the Epic Times may have picked it up, but they, they, uh, did. they did. So the so the report the reports generated by some a human rights watchdog group, um, and they they allegedly the report noted something like over a hundred, if I remember correctly, over a hundred of these police stations across Europe and the United States. Most of them, I think, are in Europe. Um, but but what they do is they'll they'll set up a you know they'll set up an operation uh, they'll buy real estate. Well, you got to move to a different um, part of the room, bud. You're you're breaking up. Okay, hold on. I just lost my. Uh... Now that's interesting. Try it again. Are you better? Better. It's better. Yeah. Um, they will. They will set these stations up, and. You know, they just they buy some real estate. They put some of their people in there, and then they they operate. It, it it's a violation. If it's a government-sponsored deal, it's a violation of international law. Um, but you know, this is this is the way they you know they do they operate. And, and and unless we're prepared to go in and close them down on some you know international legal theory, uh, as long as they're not violating uh, domestic law. We're we're fine. I mean, we we've had this issue with with the Turks um, operating their own uh, secret service people uh, attacking and, and beating up uh, people at, at uh, Turkish uh, demonstrations in the United States. Obviously, we had this problem with Iran, who has sent assassins into the United States. The Soviets did it. Um, you know, it, it uh, foreign operations in our soil are not are not new. The Chinese are pretty direct about it. But, but part of it is, is just a function of the incredible control that the Chinese maintain over their population. And, and they don't like the idea, the government does not like the idea of citizens being able to, to you know, wander around in foreign countries without the Chinese government knowing exactly what they're doing. Well, wouldn't the... And, and as far as the system of spies that are set up, I mean, I assume there are professional espionage people involved in some of this, but most of their spying operations through their Confucian societies are, are just normal Chinese students who've been co-opted or forced into into you know snitching on their on their fellow Chinese or on people who criticize China and, and might ultimately create problems for China in the U.S. Well, so, but what is there other than people snitching? Which, of course, I mean, you mentioned. Uh, I, I really uh, appreciated your. We'll, we'll talk about your your vacation 
and how everybody in the Soviet bloc snitched on everybody else. Clearly, that was the the uh, the Nazis' shtick. Uh, pretty much got the same way here with COVID, <laughs> didn't it? I mean, that person's not wearing a mask, uh, and I I just but, but the mechanism they use. I mean, I can't. Well, if, if I knew how to do it, it, it's not right for me to hack into your computer, right, to see what you're saying to people and your texts and so forth. I mean, what, what mechanisms are they using? How could the mechanisms, other than word of mouth and hearing something from somebody, hey, I saw Joe at the bar and he was bad-mouthing Zing, or Z, whatever his name is. Other than that, everything everything they do has to be illegal. Um, uh, well, okay, so... so monitoring conversations by interactions with other Chinese citizens are, uh, is, is a huge element of this. Um, they could put tracking devices on people so that uh, or in people's bags so that they can see where people are, are going. They could put they could track their cell phone signals through uh, through you know our network using uh, fairly sophisticated electronic means that would allow them to track the cell phone citizens of Chinese or cell phones of Chinese citizens to see Who's congregating and where? Um, they could uh, hack in, as I said, you know, hack into people's computers. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it would violate the law, but um, this is not a this is not a culture that respects other nations' laws, uh, except when forced to do so. Um, and, and this is they see this as a matter of internal Chinese. Um, you know, civic culture, and and therefore something that they can enforce outside the borders of the borders of China. Um, we should hire a few of these guys for the police department. So when the when the gangs show up at some place with fifty people, maybe we would know they were coming just like they do. Yes, I mean, some, I mean, I mean, uh, who knows? They have very sophisticated surveillance and espionage um, activities here in the U.S. Who knows where they have planted bugs, or you know, or who knows where our, our civic authorities are using Chinese software or Chinese hardware for, for example, street cameras and and closed circuit TV cameras in Europe. Who, who knows whether the Chinese are able to get into that? I, the, the assumption in American uh, intelligence circles has always been that every Every product that you were buying from China, especially in the electronics realm, within the last twenty years, has embedded software or hardware on it that uh, would allow an outside source with, with the code that is a Chinese source with the code to go in and just query that that system and pull information out of it. Um, and that's been the assumption for twenty years. Wouldn't that be something? If we we don't use these cameras to, to get anybody arrested, but. Chinese are tracking their own people. What a, what a kick in the teeth that would be! <laughs> but but why would that why would that surprise you? Because they they are not interested. They they're, you know the Chinese are not interested in diversity, inclusion, and equity in their uh, you know in, in their operations. They're interested in results. You know who who am I? You know who am I looking at? What what does this tell me about American society? Can we best exploit it? You got to shift in the room again. Shift in the room again. Okay, their aspirations are are um, you know very very robust and they're widespread. I mean, they've hacked into DNA databases. 
chief. Really? To pull, to pull DNA information on, on Americans and, and Europeans and Africans and other uh, races. Uh, for, for one, I mean, you could be uh, the most obvious reason you would, you would want to do that is if you're developing a bioweapon to target, you know, to target people other than Chinese, uh, knowing DNA structures and, and getting a DNA cross section of, of a target population could be very useful. I mean, I mean that's how sinister some of this stuff is, and, and I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, this is a nice little lead-in, by the way, for one of the topics I wanted to just at least mention, um, and because it, it's not getting play in the in the popular press, and that is the COVID, uh, the COVID admission by Pfizer, in testimony in front of the European Union uh, Monday, where the Pfizer senior Pfizer rep for product development. Just flat out said, yeah, we, we never tested the vaccine to see whether it stopped transmission of COVID. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have talked about that on the air. I didn't see it referenced, but, but that admission that they never tested it to see if it stopped transmission effectively undercuts every vaccine mandate program here and, and abroad because there was no evidence, at least initially and, and, and very little evidence now but no evidence, at least initially, that the vaccine would stop transmission. And that is the reason you put a mandate in place. Um, I'm going to say, Lou, that if it's like, you know, if you were a contributor and a listener of Stocks and Jacks, oh, yeah, you are, um, way back in the day, way back in the first month, even though you and some of the other guys were coming at me pretty hard, not me, but you were coming at the, the, the government's handling of the COVID situation. I actually found, and I, and I read it, I think, I, with everybody, and I don't expect anybody to remember stuff two and a half years ago that I do because I'm a goofball that way. Uh, they're the original test. Well, let me see if I can remember what happened. They took it was a huge number of people. I was in Spain or it was in Argentina or Brazil someplace. It was like maybe 40,000 people or 30. I mean, it was a big number. And where they got the 95% effective was that they... Vaccine vaccinated half, and use the uh, what's the what's the term for the uh, they give you sugar water whatever placebo. placebo. But they had to put a little something in there to make to make your arm sore, so you thought you got the, the vaccine. So they gave and then, and they just sent everybody out. There was there was no uh, um, follow up test and where where they would random sample everybody every day for the next three months or anything like that. There was there was nothing like that. They sent everybody out. And the people that came back, either to a hospital, either in bad shape or, or dead, well, you didn't come back if you were dead, like something like 200 of those people uh, were not vaccinated and like 20 or something or, or 10 were. So that's where they got the 95%. There, there was never any hope or, or thought of figuring out if this guy had it and somebody around him had it or anything like that. It was, no, it was never done. It, it, was, it was totally designed to people from stop getting real sick or, or dead, which at the time was pretty damn, which was a, which was a pretty good, but they, but they totally oversold that. And I, I, to, I must have told this ten times, this story. I still have it here somewhere. Somebody sent it to me. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, familiar, I'm familiar with that test. And, and it, we knew that they had rushed through and shortcut a number of uh, the methodologies that you would typically use to test a vaccine, and that was part of that was that, that's why the 
That's why the vaccine has, in the United States anyway, has always been emergency use authorization and not not fully licensed. But everybody and their dog was representing that, you know, if you were unvaccinated, you were a spreader. Right. Um, if you were vaccinated, you were you were safe. If you were vaccinated, you weren't going to contaminate people. The president's comment about this will be a war of the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, that the unvaccinated were, were somehow, you know, abrogating their moral responsibility to the rest of the, the rest of the population by, by transmitting this disease. And, and it became, obviously, it became apparent after the first year, you know, in, in 2020, in the fall of 2021, that the vaccine was not stopping the spread. But but you know there was always the assumption that in fact it had been tested for this. It was never never and on my part or never on yours. But I mean at the same no. token, Lou, it was it was absolutely imperative if it stopped people from getting really sick or dying to get it in every nursing home. It, they sh- it should have just been used for what it for what it is. It stopped people <laughs> from, from from having the harshest. Uh, right. It mitigated mitigated the effect of the disease. And it never shut it down. No, and that, but everybody, every well, everybody should have known that, but they didn't. And you're right; it was marketed like there's no tomorrow. And the only, the only argument was, well, the only argument was if you and I didn't have, uh, didn't have to go on a ventilator or something, we open up a spot for somebody else. I mean, it, that that's the only other, the only other thing you could, you could you could get. But clearly, for older people, it was a godsend. Correct, and 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 I, and, it, and it did it did that. I mean, it had it had side effects. Vaccines have side effects, but but it was advertised. It was it was never advertised as, or excuse me, it was always advertised as the you know sort of the be all end all. And the government people relied on it, and they pushed the narrative, and there was no evidence for it at all that it was going to stop it. And at that point, no evidence to impose vaccine mandates. On people, and, and and no evidence to put vaccine passports in place. All of that was based on nothing, and and it caused huge problems throughout the economy. I mean, it's it's generating lawsuits right and left. Um, I'm involved in three or four of them, and, and it is just it's just the height of well, irresponsibility. It's not, it's not over and, yet. And this I, week again, where are where is the accountability? For those government officials at the top of NIH and CDC that were pushing this idea of getting vaccinated when they knew that it wasn't going to stop the spread. Lou, this week, uh, Pfizer. Who's the other guy? So the other, uh, the other, the other big uh, one. The one that I have. No doubt. Yeah, they, they just got approval. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, they just got approval to give all this stuff to six-year-olds this week. It's not stopping. No, I know it's not. I know it's not. But. Again, that at least is being done with in the context of us knowing that the threat of the, of the virus to six-year-olds is virtually zero. At least we know that now, and, and, and people can make that make that decision, and are making that decision to, to not vaccinate their children with an experimental experimental vaccine. At, at the time this was all rolling out, we were being told unequivocally this was how to stop the spread was to get everybody vaccinated, and it was a lie. Lou, I, would, I will guarantee you that if we, yeah, can you imagine the two of us, if we broke into a book club of 15 mothers that have six-year-olds and tried to tell them that this vaccine was not a good idea, we'd get 
the books would be flying at us as being, what are you talking about? The, the, I just heard from the Center of Disease Control I should vaccinate my kid. What do you get out of here, you two? Um, well, in certain in certain neighborhoods surrounding Whole Foods and places like that, you you would find it is actually the opposite. Um, less than less than I think it's less than ten percent of the parents with children under the age of five are vaccinating their kids, and and the pushback on on vaccinating older children has, has been has been developing for some time. Um, it, it there is. There's a growing recognition that you know, we were subject to a, an overwhelming, although not particularly sophisticated, disinformation campaign by our own government and our own, our own appointed and elected officials who decided to push this program for some reason. And, and you know, I, I don't understand the, the more sinister or more paranoid among us could say it's the result of this kind of mind control game the government wanted to play or, you know, whatever. But this this program was put in place with, this mandate program was put in place with zero evidence that it was going to protect the workforce. The only thing that the vaccine did, as you noted, was mitigate the impact in older populations. In younger populations, it, it was almost unnecessary and, and in, in very young populations, you know, teenage, early 20s and, and younger, it has a significant impact in terms of, you know, myocarditis, blood clots, you know, menstrual periods, the whole bit. I mean, the Washington Post finally published an article last week acknowledging that, that the impact of, on, on, uh, on women, which you would think with the focus on women's health and all the women's issues that are, are raised you know, right up front, this would have been front and center, but it was not. Again, because of this well, early on, political, political focus on getting people vaccinated, because the Democrats, a Democratic president, was pushing it. Um, Trump was. They were all involved in this. It was the same people. Well, no, but 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 you had you had members of Congress and a lot of other people saying if, if this vaccine is developed under the Trump administration, I'm not going to take it. It's not safe. Blah, 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 blah. And that, that got a lot of press. And and the, the when, when a Democratic administration came in and started pumping the vaccine out and pushing it as a, as a cure-all, that... Well, the, that the, 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 money was, the money was already... See, that, that's... You know, the weird part, Lou, is the only, the only disagreement you and I ever have is... And, and with well, some of my right wingers, some of them very close to me, you included. Uh, I, this is not this. This is going on. This this tete a tete between these big firms and government is going on no matter who is in the Oval Office. It's uh, been going. I, on, I agree. I'm, I'm focused not so much. This is not a Pfizer government issue. Yeah, but, but the government. I mean, right, the right, Pfizer, right. Pfizer may have like a bandit, but this is and so did the uh, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. But this is not. This is not a Pfizer. Government cabal okay, issue. Remember, this is a, remember, this is a government. I understand, but remember, let me, let me say two things. Yeah, you, we have to fix your uh, your phone on break. Wait, wait, yeah, just two things, Lou. Uh, the Trump administration, and I actually thought I did not. This was in, by Thanksgiving of twenty twenty. Uh, had given seven firms a boatload of money to actually start making vaccines before they were. 
It was it was millions of dollars to each place. And the total value of the deal was a, a few billion dollars, which at the time seemed like chump change and what they're spending everywhere else. So they they gave seven firms all this dough and bought basically a hundred million uh, doses before they were even approved. And Pfizer was like the first one to the table. Moderna was second, and all these other people never really got approved because once once Pfizer jumped up on the podium, they never really let anybody in there. But everybody thought this was, and me t- me too, thought this was a brilliant idea to get ahead of this, where if somebody actually had a vaccine that worked on a Tuesday, uh, by Thursday we could start giving people shots. And the thought at the time was, if if you even if you and I didn't want to take a vaccine. With the hospitals filling up and with, you know, hospital ships and McCormick Place and all this other crap going on, that it was also our responsibility, if there was a vaccine, to not say, I'm not taking it, and then that night show up at the hospital saying, I need an emergency room bed. So there, were, there was some of that going on, too, which I can't say that I was totally against either. I mean, I don't think you are either. But there was some idea that this is such a bad thing, you have an obligation to essentially not get, get sick, or if you do, stay home and die on your own. I mean, right? Uh, something, something like that. I mean, yeah. that was part of the that was part of the pressure campaign. The idea that, but, but you, you know, we never, we never had uh, our emergency rooms shut down or overflow. Um, we always had excess capacity, um, and and well, don't get me started on how. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. But what, I, what I'm saying is that my concern is from it's almost like asbestos. Okay, when nobody knew it was a problem, I don't have any problem with these people, but the minute you do, but all of a sudden, this has been known now for two years, okay, that what you and I are talking about has been pretty much anybody who's got a a brain cell knows, would agree with us, as time went by and people learned, it's still happening, Pfizer has still got their nose up the ass of government and is is calling the shots, it it hasn't stopped, (laughs) that's the part I have a problem with. I'm not, I'm not, I'm well, not bitching well, about the first I, ten I'm days. Much more, I'm much more concerned, and maybe it's because maybe it's because there is, in my mind, a, a, a no real long-term solution to the government teaming with private sector on something like on something like this. I am much more concerned with our government entities who were supposed to be giving us honest information, in fact, giving us lies on yeah, something I, I, that affected the health of. Hundreds of millions of people, maybe even and, worse, and going what, forward, you know, was resulted in resulted in social control that we haven't seen ever. Uh, and you know what? We love it. We don't, but they do. Let's go to break. But SP Futures up twenty four, Nasdaq Futures up forty one. Maybe we can actually have an update today. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Good morning. Give us a call about your stock. 888-76-JACKS. That's 888-765-6257. Or email us stocksandjacks at live.com. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Mr. Lou Michaels with us. We have Matt Byrne on the board doing a good job on his cold, blustery day here in Chicago. And I did notice that Matt had the uh, skull cap on. I uh, did, yeah. It's... Got that chill out there, just a little bit though. You're not, so you're not like a uh, an NFL halfback who wears one like in the <laughs> middle of summer or something. No, not me. I'm 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 just trying to keep cold in this weather. I always believe that you got to wear the uh, clothes that are appropriate for the weather. That's what uh, I, that's me. See, I, I'm more of the time of the year thing. You can't can't get me in something looking like that before November first. <laughs> I see. I see. You freeze till then. Oh, definitely. That's a very south side thing. No sh- <laughs> no shorts before at least uh, May. Is um, that right? Yeah. I like the people who wear the huge. Hoodie and the shorts on Sunday morning going to the store. It's like, and, cl- yeah. and no doubt wearing like slippers or Crocs. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. SP Futures up 27, SP Futures up 50. We're somewhat giddier because we're actually up a little bit for the first time in forever. Uh, Dow Futures up 174. Let's just say me and my guys could use an up day. Uh, we haven't been getting nailed too bad on the downside, but not getting nailed too bad is not the same as winning, Matt. You know, so I'm just saying it just isn't. Mm. Um, DAX up 122. That's a full 1%. Boy, I haven't seen that in a while. FTSE up 7.1%. CAC around up 41.7%. FTSE's lagging back here. They've had issues that seemingly other people have not with their central bank and their pension funds and stuff. However, over in uh, Asia, still not so good. Nikkei down 159.6%. Shanghai down 9.3%. And again, the relentless 
drive to zero in this Hang Seng down 311 today. It's almost another 2%. 16389. I mean, it's, it's way beyond getting serious. Uh, yesterday, Dow was only down 28, SP down 11, NASDAQ down 9. So we were down, but it was a, a slow before. The uh, PPI didn't really affect the market at all, and everybody just started in the waiting game for the CPI. Uh, bonds down 3 basis points, 3.87. The bond down 9 basis points, but still 2.25. Uh, Japan uh, down a basis point to 0.24. Oil uh, up a dime, 87.37. Rent up 19, 92.64. Natural gas up 11, 654. Arbob unchanged 263. We've got gold up 340, 1680, trying to make it back to 1700, but going weekly. Uh, silver up 21 cents, 1915. Uh, copper up a penny to 344. We've got Bitcoin uh, down 396, 18,746. Uh, what did Manny tell? How do you pronounce this? Uh, mm. Ethereum, uh, they're down 54 Sounds bucks, right 1240. 1243, and we have the U.S. dollar. All kinds of stuff here. You got the euro dollar actually up a little bit to, uh, or the euro up to 0.97, and the pound up quite a bit, uh, almost 1.4% to 1.13. It's highest we've seen that in a while. Matt, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports, a lot of stuff on my end here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, good morning. It's currently 6.38 a.m. on Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Let's get you caught up with Chicago traffic. Uh, there's an accident just occurred about four minutes ago uh, southbound on the Edens, right, right before uh, U.S. 14 Peterson Avenue, exit 41B. Uh, it was reported at uh, just at 6.20 a.m. Uh, congestion is looking pretty solid, uh, and the delays are up to 30 minutes, so yikes, look out for that. Uh, other than that, uh, in the area, pretty regular right now uh, in the early morning. We'll keep you updated as it progresses. Uh, the weather in Chicago, pretty clear this morning. We're currently at 44 degrees, a high of 56, and a low of 38. In Phoenix, though, clear skies, currently 71 degrees, a high of 93, and a low of 67. The MLB playoffs yesterday, Phillies at Braves. Braves win 3 to nothing. San Diego Padres went out to Los Angeles and played Dodgers. Padres won 5 to 3. In the NFL, Chicago Bears play Washington Commanders tonight at Soldier Field. Game starts at 7:15. Bears currently stand at two wins and three losses. Both wins this season, however, have been at home, which could be a good sign for tonight. That's all for now. Back to you, Chief. In the immortal words of John Madden, "Then you never won a football game." <laughs> Just I guess, well, I'll, uh, bet, I'll bet. I'll bet Amazon is is really counting the advertising dollars coming in off this uh, this game tonight. Mm. Well, in Chicago, it's on local TV. Two, two bad football teams. Um, yeah, horrible football teams. How do, why is uh <laughs> before we before we have to ask you what the hell's wrong with the Guardians? Uh, Lou, you know it's 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 funny. I I have uh, I enjoy every day of the week doing the show because everybody comes at the same problems from kind of a different direction. All the different and pretty much. Even though the people don't think they are, they really pretty much are in agreement on what the problems are. I mean, it's, it reminds me of uh, when I was in grad school, and you took, uh, I don't know if this ever happened when you were in law school, but if you start taking advanced marketing, advanced accounting, and advanced finance, I think the day that you're supposed to wake up is the day you realize that in the end they're all the same subject. I mean, you can't do one without the other. They're all so interconnected that you can almost... You can't study one without studying the other, right? I mean, you can't you can't do marketing if you don't have the, the financing to to buy the stuff you need to make the product. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I, when, when you see what's happening on, on our end here, when I say our end, the, the the managing money, keeping your eye on stuff, 
business that I'm in. Like I just came out here with this uh, 99% of CEOs are nervous because they think we're entering a recession. Lou, we're in a recession. <laughs> we've been in one for two years. You could make a case we've been in one for 15 years for, for 80% of the population. So it, it's somebody, it's everybody in government telling us we're not in a Anybody who's, who feels that their life is better if we're not, every banker, every somebody, somebody, they blow, they blow this crap in front of your face all day long. We, we had, the definition was uh, two quarters of, of, uh, gro- of GDP going down. Well, of course, even now with the, with the amount of currency in the system, we still manage to get two quarters of GDP going down. Yet, no, that's not it. Now, now everybody has their own definition of, of recession. Well, that was, that's, a recent, that's a relatively recent phenomenon. You didn't, see, you didn't see that happen with the Republican administration. This is the result of the press pushing a, a, a story that, or a definition that uh, they want to change because it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a Democratic president, and they don't want that. Well, uh, this is this is this is information warfare. This is nothing unusual. But you can't you you can't you can't honestly tell me. I know that most of the the Republican the right guys that come on the show somehow did this on the the Trump wasn't really that guy. As long as the stock market was going up, everybody could be broke. He didn't care. What do you mean? The market's going up. The economy must be doing great. I, I, I'm not. I'm not relying on Donald Trump's economic, you know, acumen. You got. You got to find another spot in the room. We're, we're getting like. I'm just saying. We're getting I'm, like. Every, I'm just saying that you didn't see people start to worry about redefining a recession as something other than two quarters of negative growth until it happened under a Democratic administration. Well. He he would have. You got to find another spot in the room. We we're only hearing every other word here, bud. Oh God, I hate this. Sorry, this is girl nineteen in Denver. Can you hear me now? Uh, a little better. You need to, you need to get a phone into your cable and use a landline. I need to do I need to do something with my cell phone because I'm sitting I'm sitting literally 150 yards from a 5G tower. Um. Um. And any, anyway, can you hear me yeah, better you're, now? Actually, you're way better. Uh, but it's yeah, still not okay. the same as the copper line loom. By the way, you're you're old enough. They they, they here if you're over fifty five, they'll still put a copper line in for you. I don't think they do that in Colorado. Who's they? AT and T. But the copper lines are, are idiot proof, though. Well, I'm, I'm I get it. Um, I haven't I've not had a copper line in the house for almost a decade. Um, you could be the, you go retro. And this is a relatively recent problem here in Denver. I don't know what AT and T is doing, but we we we've, we've been fighting with them for uh, about six months when this this problem first arose. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted to step into a, a sports just a brief sports hit on the on the concussion issue and and the situation with Tua and and what's happening now in the in the NFL um, with uh, with regard to you know, trying to protect people from from being tackled, uh, and, and I'm going to just offer up something that that the last reared its head during the, uh, the scandal with the New Orleans Saints defensive coordinator who was supposedly offering bounties on on people to knock people out of football games. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the way the NFL is tinkering with the product because. The attraction of football, at least in my opinion, the attraction of football is it is a risky, dangerous, you know, injury-filled kind of entertainment. Much 
and you can compare it to you know gladiator fights in Rome if you want to. But but that is the that is the essence of the game. One of the reasons it's it's such a it has such a powerful hold on on you know its viewing audience is the fact that people are out there literally running into each other, trying to knock each other down, trying to hurt each other. I mean, I, I'm not going to no. make any bones about that. That was part of that was part of any kind of of, uh, of strategy. Not necessarily trying to injure somebody, but certainly make somebody hurt. And and that is the essence of the game. And and why I understand the focus on concussions, but you know what? We know about it now. We know we know that that's a function of it. We know that people get wrecked from playing football. I mean, I, I always did. Um, and and you know these are these are consenting adults out here. So so what? And by the way, being paid being paid a lot now. Now you can't say that about what happens in in high school or, or you know or college. But but at the pro level, you know that's the that's the nature of this game. So so why are we why are we trying to detune it and, and and you know protect protect people from an essential element of the contest? I don't think that the you don't think that the I can give you Jason Whitlock says a few other sports writers who say this is part of the feminization of American culture, but but I, I, I that's a little too glib an answer for me. I, I think that there's a, a very fine line, Lou, between always in all sports. There's a very, very fine line between, and, and if you play the sport, I think you always know the fine line. The 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 uh, people who just watch, you know, in the, in the wife beater shirt with the with the with the beer can, my mind, they're idiots. They've never done anything and they don't know. And if and they don't really care if 40 years from now or 20 years from now somebody you take somebody's brain apart and you find it's a bunch of mush. Well, I do care. I mean, and I, I do think that, I mean, when I played, I didn't play anywhere near the football either, but a little bit, I always knew if I was going to make it a hard tackle versus, gee, that knee looks looks pretty inviting. There, there's a difference. I mean, I, I honestly think, plus, these people are worth so much dough. I mean, the guy who tackled Tom Brady last week, and it was which was the big thing, when you you know when you got somebody in your hand, in your arms, and you and you have... The whiplash kind of thing, and the and your attempt your attempt is the first the first thing that's going to land is their head. You know just what you're doing. It's just it's it's almost the same. What did Dick say about the who was the guy in uh, in Minnesota? He said he had a, a, a brain of a grapefruit when he when the guy took McMahon up in the air and slammed him on the ground like he was a sack of wheat. That 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 was not a tackle, Lou. <laughs> it's 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 not a hard tackle. It's no, that and that was and that was you know that should have been that should have been flagged. I mean a deliberate attempt to injure. Like that is is not is not cool. That, that's a that's a roughing penalty. But, but the but idea it's, that, that it's more than know, that. what happened with Tom Brady was a sack. What happened with Derek Carr was a was a sack I, and a fumble. I, I think and, what happens is and that's all it was. What, I, what I'm saying is, you're, if, if I'm running with the ball and somebody comes to tackle me, I have well, I was so slow. I mean, I I have I have I can do as much damage to him as he can do to me. That that to me is football. The quarterback is standing there, and somebody comes and gets him, and somebody grabs him and swings him around and slams him to the ground. That's not a tackle. We don't have the ball anymore. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I understand why they're doing it in terms of quarterback. He's he's defenseless. A running back isn't. I'm, I'm, and, yet, and yet the quarterback the quarterback will become a running back frequently. Yeah. Well, once he does, more. once he does, you can whack him. As far as I'm concerned. 
I, I think I think that there's, you know, I understand the argument about the quarterback somehow being defenseless uh, and not being able to take these hits, but but you know, wide receivers going down the field reaching for a ball, they're defenseless. Yeah, I, you know, a guy a guy stretching his arms out to try to get the football across the goal line, he's defenseless and exposed. It, the, the nature of the game is violence, and 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 that's that's embedded in it. And for better or worse, that's what it is. And and the idea that you can somehow detune that violence, especially especially given the athleticism and the and the focus of the people playing the game right now, the idea that you could somehow detune this and keep the product the same, I well, think I is, mean, is crazy. Well, what's the, I mean, what's, and, and, well, what's the product? What, I mean, what's the product? I mean, in in in, in uh, hockey, for years, when you walked out of a, of a of a place, and I used to go to hockey games, when you walked out, especially the little kids, if there wasn't a fight with blood all but over the ice, they 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 they're like, what's what what's wrong with the game tonight? There wasn't two fights. They didn't care if anybody scored. I mean, the the, the Boston well, fans are still that way. That's, that's, I think that's. That's part of the attraction. It's hockey, hockey tolerated and encouraged that. You got to move in the room again. You got to keep walking because you keep wherever you go. You keep you keep we keep losing. Apparently, it. Yeah, apparently so. Um, well, that's just a, that's just a kind of crappy function of AT and T. Um, but but uh, hockey hockey encouraged that, Chief. Well, they, know, that was that was part of the that was part of the gladiatorial aspect of of, of the game. I mm-hmm. just you and I had this conversation. I think maybe. Ten years ago, more sure after I came on the show, about the fact that football could easily go the way of boxing in terms of its popular appeal. Mm. If, if, if this kind of stuff keeps going on, and, and and then you know the idea that it's just too unsafe, and and there are too many there are too many parents who said I don't want my kid playing this game, and and that we, we may this may be part of it, but this detuning may be part of that process. Well, I, I think when he to to me, if, if you know, again, I'm just a, I'm just an observer trying to be a, a somewhat educated observer, but whatever the hell that means. To me, if, if you see you know a quarterback or a cornerback, you know, and a, and a running back bang into each other, they they're both very skilled guys. I mean, to me, as long as somebody is <laughs> they're not hurt, I, I think that I love watching that. I mean, I, I honestly do, but I really don't think that. That you know somebody picking up a forty-five-year-old guy swinging around and slamming him to the ground when he never had a chance to run at you, I, I think I, I think it's different. I honestly do. I mean, I, as to how you how you how you, but then I'm I'm like the Supreme Court judge that said, uh, you know, I, I can tell pornography when I see it, but uh, I can't define it. Well, you know, I can't define it either. But I thought that Brady hit was bad. That but that's just me. Now, are we there protecting these guys or not? Is Luke Holland back? I think, man. Oh yeah, I guess we lost him there. Yikes. Well, maybe when he calls back, it'll be better. A lot of people are having problems with these phone connections. But yeah, that's the way. That's the way it goes, I guess. You know, when we first started the show, though, you almost couldn't have somebody who called in on a, on a cell phone. They had to use a landline. Mm-hmm. And it was I, uh, because whenever, just because if you can hear a, a little bit of what I know about radio technology, if you you think you can hear a uh, you know conversation, a cell phone conversation is good enough, that doesn't mean that the that the signal is good enough to go through another piece of electronics and come out okay. Mm-hmm. So well, as we are as we are demonstrating over and over again. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so Lou, I think uh, uh, I think you need a, a cable landline and you need a, an old push button phone and would be good. Rotary dial. It's coming back. <laughs> is rotary dial even? So, so, let, so let me. Yeah, rotary dial coming back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Could be the new fad. Vinyl came back. You want to see something funny? Look up a YouTube. There are a couple of YouTube videos about about parents putting rotary dial phones in front of their kids and oh, yeah. telling them, "Okay, <laughs> figure out how to work this." Yeah. And and it it's pretty it's pretty comical. Well, there was a uh, NCIS show. I used to watch it, um, and it was some part about the, uh, the all the power went out, so they had to make some copies and. And Gibbs says, well, go downstairs. I think there's still one of those old copy machines, the ones, the hand-cranked ones. And mm. everybody goes, well, how the hell will you figure out how to use that? And he goes, I know how to use it. <laughs> I remember, remember uh, oh, God, this, remember when you got your copies of stuff in high school, Lou, and they would, uh, they, the, the, uh, they smelled so, the ink smelled so bad? It would, but everybody, well, the alcohol. It was, yeah. They were using an alcohol carbon system, and, and the paper would actually be. Lou, you're, whatever you're trying to fix over there, you're getting worse. But but Matt, everybody get to this this thing. The first thing you do is put it to your nose. Yeah. Breathe, breathe in deeply. The, the professor's cut that off. <laughs> I, I seem to remember that from a certain. I believe it was Fast Time Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, yeah. That, that did, did, did they did an homage to first that. First thing you do is you take a, a deep draft on the. Lou, how the hell do you do to your lawyer work out there with that phone? For God's yeah. sake. So I'm going to try this now and see if this is any better. That's better, for the moment. That sounds good. Okay, for the moment. All right. Anyway, um, the 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 point the point that I, we, we discussed, I, I think that's I think that's noticeable, and and I think I think we are seeing, and, and interesting enough, the players' association is, is part of this. Um, this push to again detune the game to to try to make it less violent, and I my reaction is, but that's what people pay to watch. That's part of the thrill, and frankly, if, especially if you're a young man playing it. And putting your putting your body at risk like that is is a test. You know, it's a way of it's a way of demonstrating you know who you are. Well, we so don't have very many tests like that for young men in, in society anymore. Oh, I, I I agree. Hey, uh, a couple of uh, legal things that I just want to run by you that I I learn with my uh, my one night a week when I sit down with attorneys and judges and stuff, and uh, it has to do with this uh, stuff going on here in Chicago. I just kind of want to run it by you, and, and some of the pushback and actually what some of the prosecutors are doing to make the system better. I mean, it's not just all bad, I guess, but uh, one of the things there, right now, I mean, it's, when you look at the, you know, we're letting this guy out, we're letting that guy out, we're letting all these people out. The reason why we're letting them out, uh, Lou, is, is the entire, what I would consider to be standard, this is a gross exaggeration, but the entire standard uh, criminal justice system as we used to know it is pretty much shot, and in, in, in certainly in some areas of the city. And, and the reasons for that, uh, right now, I mean, if, if you don't have no Kim Fox, of course, everybody loves to hate her, uh, and I'm not a big fan either, but um, right now the attitude really is if there isn't a videotape or DNA, we're not, we're not going to trial. This is, the, this is what's referred to in, in a lot of cases as the CSI effect. Well, but it all, part of it is, you know, but on the, on the one hand, the people that are the real detractors, uh, which I am, by the way, uh, the, the issue with that is, according to the attorneys, is the entire normal way of doing this with witnesses and evidence and all that kind of stuff, between the fact that there wasn't a jury trial for like two years, um, these two-year-old cases, the witnesses... They're not around. They disappear. They they're gone. They move. Even if even if they're not getting bumped off, they move. They die. The the amount of people getting off on the cases after you try and after you try and try them, 
is is astronomical. I mean, my my buddies are defense attorneys; they win all the time. And but now, one of the if, but if, unless there's DNA or unless there's a video, but what they're doing, Lou, and this is kind of I would never have guessed this because I don't really know much about the system, is one of the pushbacks are from from their side, from the Kim Fox side, is that when you go to when somebody gets arraigned in a, a grand jury, I've never I've never been on a grand jury, never been in front of one, thank God. So if somebody gives like if if you come in there and you give a whole bunch of testimony, you know I saw I taught this, this Tom Howe guy stealing his catalytic converter, blah blah blah, and you know Brighton Day, and I saw him go to the next car and blah blah blah. What they're 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 taping all these all these uh, testimonies in the grand jury now. So if somehow or another you're not here, you die, you get bumped off, you get you know you get paid off. If you don't show up at the regular trial. They're now using the testimony from the grand jury as solid as as admissible evidence. Yeah, and which is I think somewhat new, and it's one of the it's one of the pushbacks. It's not like nobody ever wants to lose all these cases. Even Kim Fox doesn't want to do that. That that's one of the things. I just wonder what your opinion is on that. All right, so so the federal rules of evidence and and most state court rules of evidence specifically allow for certain types of testimony when a witness is unavailable and that's that that's the key word unavailable means can't be located has died whatever and so in in the event that happens you can't find the witness in the court the, the prosecutors are certify or or the attorneys certify to the court that they've made a good faith effort to locate this person and they are now unavailable um the, the, there are provisions you know, to allow out-of-court statements, which would typically be considered hearsay, uh, to to come in as as evidence. Testimony in front of a grand jury is under oath. Um, it, it's functionally the equivalent of of regular court testimony, except, and this is this is important, except there is no cross examination, uh, uh, obviously, right? Because of the you know because of this. So so. I'm not sure how I'm not sure how that would would fly in terms of what this what, what the, the testimony is being offered to show. Um, you know, collateral issues typically it, it's less of a concern if it's an eyewitness testimony where the eyewitness comes in front of the grand jury and says I saw this and there's no right to cross-examine the person. I think I would have a tough time as a judge admitting it uh, because because you you have to have some element of of challenge in in terms of a of a witness against you to, uh, with within any kind of within any kind of evidence. So I, I'm not I, there. Are, as I said, there are provisions under every evidentiary code to allow testimony like that coming in. Um, I'm a little concerned about the fact that it, it's being done in a, under circumstances where you're not going to have a cross examination challenge of the witness because that you know that's a constitutional right the right to challenge and confront your accusers and and so i'm not i'm not really sure how that how that would work but it it seems to me to be a logical a logical next step yeah i mean it's a they're not saying it's ideal but obviously the knowing that it might be used has, has caused the people to let's say up, upgrade the interview at, in the front of the grand jury knowing it might be all you have uh, I, I mean, I mean that's that's correct, and I think that's the right way to look at it. But even in, but you're never in a grand jury. You're never going to have cross examination, right? And so, and so, I don't. I, I guess I, I would 
be looking at the judge and saying, if this is an eyewitness to a crime, and this is the only evidence the government has, and we're going to put that on, but but without the the witness being subject to cross, I don't I don't see how that doesn't prejudice. I, the, I don't, I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm just saying it's one thing they're trying to do because the, the system of you know an 18 month old case of uh, somebody carjacking, all of a sudden you can't find anybody. I mean, they just don't yeah. show. Well, I mean, I would be I would be very nervous about allowing evidence like that in as the primary means of of convicting somebody. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I. I as much as I want to see guilty people put away, I don't want them run over either. You know, uh, and it's a fine line. But I, but the, but I'm saying that the the normal way of doing things here is just plain broken down. It's just nobody knows anybody about nobody knows nothing about nothing. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't want nobody that nobody sent. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well that 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 I agree with. I'm just. Lou, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of yourself, buddy. By the way, uh, how come you've been very silent about your school getting spanked? Oh, NCAA. about probation? Yeah. Uh, well, because, I, I mean, I think it's kind of a non-story. They they reported it. They caught it. They fired the guys. Um, you know, I don't I don't think there was anything indicating that the, the senior people on the staff knew about it. They terminated the, the coaches immediately. Yeah, but you're so, supposed, if you cheat, you're supposed to be a national champion or something. Well, Again, there's there's individual you know there's an individual penalty and then there's an institutional penalty. They fired the guys. They self-reported it. They didn't try to cover it up. Yeah, okay. All right, brother. That happened. All right, get that phone fixed. Talk at you next week. SP futures still up 36. Nasdaq futures up 81. We're actually moving up a little further here. Uh, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. The money thing, security, a nice house, uh, I guess that's important to some people. No, it's, it's not important to some people, Robbie. It's important to all people. Was that a tape conversation between you and the girlfriend this weekend? <laughs> not me, not me. <laughs> but uh, worth noting, uh, today, uh, 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 Paul Simon is 81 years old. Wow. So happy birthday to him. Didn't know he was that old. Yeah. Well, hate, to, uh, hate to do it to him, but... Well, you know, we all keep going all over together. You know, I'm dragging you right with me. Type of thing. <laughs> right, right, right towards the grave. We well, that's we, about we, it. And yeah. we keep going every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> SP Futures up 30 now, 40 now. We'll get these numbers in a half hour. Uh Nasdaq futures up eighty nine. Make that ninety. Mm. So we're trying. We're trying to make a pusher. Do we have Mr. Dan? We do indeed. Yeah. Dan, how are you, yeah. buddy? Are, are you are you back home? I am. How bad? Uh, well, we have um, you know we have power. the The main structure of my house held up pretty well, but a lot of trees down. You know, a tree fell into my pool. Um, you know, depending where you go, it, it some of some of it looks like a war zone. If you go down to Fort Myers, it's you know, there's there's quite a bit of destruction there, but it, you know it's starting to come back. You know, there's a lot of utility trucks and construction people looking for for some jobs, and um, uh, you know, just slow but steady on the recovery process here. But it's yeah, we got hit pretty bad. Well, no, uh, you're not you're not enough to tear the entire inside out with mold or anything like that, do you? No, in fact, I had I didn't have any um, water damage at all, which was mm. which was really important. Uh, some people did, but uh, fortunately, no. That had been in that loop before with other hurricanes, so mm. so it was definitely spared this time. So, no, like the guy next door's roof didn't fly off and land on your roof or anything like that. Not on my roof, but some of his tile landed in my pool. Oh god! <laughs> no. <laughs> but now we did we done very well for having 130 mile an hour winds come through here. The the structure of my house did extremely well, so I'm 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 pleased with that. And things are gradually getting back to normal with uh, better internet and cell phone and uh, water. We can finally drink. You know, we can use. So there, you know, things are things are uh, gradually getting back to uh, normal. It's the people on the islands like Sanibel and Captiva. You know, are still without a bridge. So that you know, I think that's going to keep keep. You know, I think they have a couple more weeks until the until the bridge is complete. So those are those areas got hit much worse. And they had the flooding as well over there. So. Um, we were spared. <laughs> well, is your uh, your house uh, something recent where you're you're up to hurricane code, or I mean, yes, you, you made sure you did yeah. that, or did you you retrofit that, or did you buy it? Later? Was it done when it was new? I, I bought it when it was all done when it was new, and having lived through several hurricanes here, it was really important to me to have you know windows that could withstand 150 mile an hour winds, and um, you know a structure is uh, they call it CBS uh, construction block. Um, that's you know going to be sturdier than if you have any wood in your in yeah. your frame. So um, 
yeah, those things are really important. You didn't do you don't have the whole the whole nine yards. We have like the rounded edges and those kinds of things, do you? Of the house. Uh, and, yes, in some places I do actually. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's um, the the home builders today are are building for you know winds up to 150 miles an hour. So that's um, yeah, the, the newer homes did very well. Some developments actually didn't even lose power. Uh, Babcock Ranch, which is near me, um, is that solar power development, and they didn't even lose power during this time. We, we lost power for about a week, but um, on the power side, yeah, the Florida Power and Light did a good job getting everybody back. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of back to normal. I'm not sure we're going to have a little too many visitors for a little while, but uh, certainly by the, the winter or the middle of the winter, I think things will be back to normal here. So you don't know snakes or alligator visitors? No, but I was driving yesterday and I did see an alligator, a truck right in front of me hit an alligator on the highway. Really? <laughs> so, that I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> cut, the, wow. cut the alligator right in half. Hey, bad day for the yeah. alligator. Hey, yeah. uh, before we start our normal our normal normal stuff and talk about interest rates here well i gotta ask you for sure if your if your prediction the end of this year or next year on interest rates has changed but if you can if you I mean i it's hard it's hard for me to well i i have my new my new toy my new bond calculator uh uh Dan, which of course you probably got 10 of them in your place but can you can you walk us through a little bit this this what's going on over in london yeah the the um News today, you know, as of actually just this morning, is is the talk of rate uh, of tax cuts, and uh, you know, as as a <clears throat> and as a way of dealing with their issue, their inflationary problems, their economy already is in worse shape than ours. For example, they they've been dealing with um, changes ever since Brexit, and their you know their their basic economic um, footprint is is not looking good. Inflation is also higher. Um, the The pound is under probably more pressure than it's ever been. So, if you're planning a trip to to the UK, you're gonna you know you're gonna do quite well. Your dollar is gonna go a long way. So that that's kind of the basis. And now, how they deal with it is really the issue. And as of this morning, they're talking about um, trusts. You know, looking at tax cuts. And our market actually rallied on that news. So um, that's. You know that would be positive, I think, for the for the um, the world economic. I mean, the world financial markets. But I'm not sure if it would necessarily be the thing that they need for the UK. I don't know enough about the government politics there to know how that's going to play itself out. But certainly, we're in much better shape than those guys are. I would not necessarily look at the UK as a place to invest right now. I think there, there's got there's going to be more fallout there, and it's just going to take some time to to. Uh, Get a better handle on on how things are, are going there. I mean, some of the companies based there that have you know most of their operations overseas will probably do okay. But when you're looking at currency translation back into the pound um, for their revenues, I would be really cautious right now. Well, I guess uh, specific question I have, and again, I don't want to take up too much of our time because we have other stuff. But um, the the balance sheet. I mean, you and I have. You know, for as long as you've been on, we've been we've been talking about how bonds bonds have valuations, right? Yes. And when absolutely. we talk when we talk about uh, stuff, and you talk about a bond, you're talking about this rate. And we try and get it for somebody or one of the listeners that happens to be a client of PTI. Um, if one of those people want to buy something, it's all about 
getting the getting the price at the same price you're talking about, which gives you the same the interest rate you're you're saying people can get, right? You don't just go pay whatever you want <laughs> and expect it to be the same interest rate, right? I mean, it's it's it right. is. But I mean, the same with the same with stocks. You would be yeah. buying at a certain price. You you know, you can like a stock, but you don't want to overpay for it. Right. So I guess, but what I mean, I know insurance companies allegedly have the twenty thirty year plan, uh, but you know we have situations where you know more people are dying this year than expected. You know, uh, it, it's it where I'm going. I'm getting to very clumsily here. Is that if you if you went if you were foolish enough to either be talked into or doing it on your own to buy a bond at I, I can't. By the way, I can't get my my uh, bond calculator to to, to uh, calculate something at negative interest. It won't it won't go there. So so so, 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 so the bond calculator is smarter than the ECB. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, but I mean, if if you I use like 0.1% interest. If you bought a bond there, I, I think I, I, I worked through the math. Uh, if, if you had a 2% 20-year bond, 2% coupon, 1000 bucks, that if you if you bought it at 0.1% interest, you're paying 1400 bucks for the thing, for the $1,000 bond with the 2% coupon. And all, all of a sudden that rate goes to 4, that bond's down on the 700, so you're down 600 bucks. Yes. So... Whatever, whatever you may think you're doing, I'm in for the long haul of 20 years, whether you're an insurance company or not, your balance sheet has to look like the part that goes over the fence last. I mean, right. I mean, it has to look horrible. And, you, and, you, and you're down like all this dough. You, you're going to say you're in for the long haul, but the fact is you got a crap portfolio. I mean, what do these people's portfolio look like over there in these pensions and all these places? Dan's got, what, what do they look like here even? I mean, uh, Yeah, so if, if, you're buying, if you're buying long because you have to, You've done well, just as you've done well in the equity market over the last decade, right? You know, yields have come down. So you've been able to buy the 10 and 20 and 30 year bonds, um, you know, the, 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 those, um, pension funds that need, need the asset liability match or, or insurance companies that need that, uh, asset liability match. They, they have done well. So now they've been in an environment for the last year where rates are going up and, even though there are people putting money into, say, the 10-year and the 20-year as a flight to quality, it's too soon because we know that rates are going to continue to go higher. And, and they have. And look at where the 10-year is, just about 4% now. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that movement higher is going very quickly. And, yes, you're absolutely correct. The principal value of those bonds that they hold has declined. So looking out over a time horizon of 10 or 20 years or longer, you're losing money by, by sitting on these lower yields, and your the price has dropped so much that it's not like you can just switch into another bond that's yielding more. You're taking a you're taking a um, a pretty big hit. So if if you need to take or want to take some losses, you can do that in this environment. But yeah, it has not been a good strategy for those bond managers, and I was one of them at one point who have some flexibility. That was the time to buy things that would be substitutes. That was the time to maybe get into some corporates. But if you didn't have a choice in terms of matching your duration, then you, you're in tough shape right now. You're looking just like some of the the, um, the tech or the NASDAQ-looking uh, um, portfolios on the equity side. Well, when the, when the government tells these guys, when I say these guys, the, the pension fund people, they have till Friday to rebalance how do you how do you rebalance a pension fund in three days? 
You can do yeah, it. Maybe well, I sure can't. There is a fair amount of liquidity in most of the names that they buy, so they're not buying some of the stuff that we've been talking about here where, where you're not as um, closely tied to market actions. And um, they're buying the on-the-run everything, any, any type of, you know, they're buying, because they're so large, they have to buy bonds that have liquidity. So if we're talking about um, government bonds, that's one thing, they're going to have liquidity. If we're talking about corporates that they're adding, they're only going to be in those names that have large issuance and can trade trade easily. So that's some that's been part of their, um, you know, they've had to rebalance. That's been part of what they do over you know over time. But you can't tell them um, to sell. You can't sell. Tell them to puke these things out at seven fifty. They just paid fourteen hundred for. Right. Yeah, they're in tough shape. I mean, they're in tough shape. Like I'm saying. I mean, the the analogy would be they're in tough shape, just like the the tech investors would be right now. They're yeah. they're. Um, that's not a place that I would want to be. If we had, if you have the the, um, the choice um, when you're purchasing bonds, I as I've been saying from the very beginning of the show, is you stay short because your interest rate risk is much lower. You move when when rates go up, you move more into stocks. You sell some of those dividend paying stocks, and you move some into the you know when you're getting four and a half um, percent on short bonds. That's when you start. It starts making sense. But the only reason that if you were not managing a portfolio that needs to match duration, if you were not a pension fund that needs to have some long-term investments, if you were if you were an individual or if you have the flexibility, the short end makes more sense right now. At some point, the long end will make more sense, but we're not there yet. We're going to still see you know more rate hikes. Um, we will see, like I said, they 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 do benefit when we see volatility or when we see uncertainty because we do see a flight to quality and both U.S. and overseas investors will come in and buy those longer bonds. But I don't know how long it's going to take to get back to that 2% where they were buying them, you know, even a year ago well, or a couple years ago. If you're an insurance company or a, just real, real briefly here, well, too, I'm too late on the briefly part, but uh, if I go sell 10 life insurance policies, I can't just take... All that the private. There's, there's some sort of reserve I need yes. to keep for, especially if it's a Matt Byrne, a guy who's in his early 20s, hmm. and I put a life insurance policy. I, I have to essentially set aside something for the next 80 years for the guy, right? Pretty much. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reckless guy. You never know. He's very reckless. 20, 20 years at max. Uh, 20 years. Don't tell him that when you buy the policy. <laughs> the, uh, I, uh, I, you know, it's at some point... You have to, the insurance company has to keep a, a reserve level, I would think. Yeah. And if they go out and yeah. buy some stuff at fourteen hundred bucks, and a year later it's trading seven hundred, I don't see how they've met their reserve requirements. Do you? Right. So what they do is they invest in corporates, and some of the insurance companies are allowed to invest in high yield bonds. And during the recent period, the default rates on high yield bonds have been so low, so most of their they're, you know, the board who is making these decisions about what they can invest in are allowing, um, because I used to deal with these people all the time in my past, uh, they, they are allowing um, like a larger percentage of, say, high yield bonds in an environment where rates are really low. And just as we've been talking, you know, for the last few years, how do you find yield? Pension funds are trying to find yield that's longer as well. So they're looking at... Um, you know, maybe even some of them that have the ability to invest in preferred stocks that have um, that are you know uh, perpetuals, but they have a mandatory pre- um, preferred 
and we've talked about some of those names as well. So to the extent that they can, they're reaching for yield or they're looking at yield in, in other places. And the board who makes those decisions or the investment committee at the insurance company who makes those decisions has had no choice but to give them that leeway in recent years because rates have been that low. Okay, so the, you're saying that it, the idea, well, first of all, I, I know, is, that, is that a potential landmine for the market going forward, I guess, is some of these pension funds. I, mean, I can't even imagine what the European Central Bank balance sheet looks like. I mean, I don't even want to go yeah, there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another, right, that's going to look much worse. But but for the U.S., no, not necessarily. It's just going to be, there are going to be uh, issues of payouts down the, <clears throat> down the road, not being able to meet. Um, you know, but but that's going to take time to happen. And, and if the people managing these reserve funds were, were smart enough to diversify um, into, like, even into some um, dividend-paying equities and into some of these preferreds, you know, some REITs, and even, like, kind of uh, controlling the um, the duration by using some short-term, they call, you know, um, barbelling short-term, short-duration with the long-duration, then they're going to be, um, they're going to have some um, cushion in their portfolios, but if they just want straight long bonds, you're exactly right. They're going to they're have trouble, and they're going to have trouble in the near term. I do see longer rates coming down, though, like I said, because I do see the economy continuing to remain weak, and I do see this flight to quality. So at some point, their losses are going to um, they're going to become smaller in time, even if they just continue okay. to sit on, say, treasuries, long treasuries. So what's your uh, prediction? Where's interest rates by the end of the year and next year? Have you changed it? Not really. I think in the in the you know the four and a half to five range, which is what we've been saying on the on the Fed funds. I, I do think we are going to see a hike. Certainly the news that's coming out in about 10 minutes is going to be useful on the CPI today. Um, if it comes in at expectations, which is around 8%, we'll be fine. I, I don't think it's going to move the market a lot, just like the PPI did yesterday. The number that I'm paying attention to is GDP number, which comes out on October 27th. And as, as I've been saying, we're in a recession already because we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Will we have a third consecutive quarter of negative GDP? And we're going to know that by the end of the month. And that's going to be an interesting challenge because a week later the Fed is going to be hiking rates. So, so that will be the period, I think, to be paying close attention to what is going on. Anything can happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, I do think the Fed continues to look at in, you know, inflation. And there are certain parts of the market which, as, as, as each individual, um, we, we can see where inflation is an issue. I mean, gas prices have come down, but if you've gone to the grocery store recently, you know food prices haven't. Food continues to increase, whether it be at the grocery store or at a restaurant. Autos continue to be, you know, it's still, it's still a stretch to be buying autos in this environment. Would they be used? If you're trying to get a rental car, forget it. Those rates are, you know, are very high. Travel in general, um, it's been strong because there's been demand, but they've also cut back. So the, the, you know, the airlines, for example, have, have cut the number of flights, but they're able to charge more. And with gas prices coming down, they're doing, they're doing better relatively, but for the traveler, you're paying more. If you're trying to get work done in your house, and I don't mean in the middle of a hurricane, but I mean, you know, friends that live all over the country, you're paying higher rates for, to contractors. Oh, yeah. So, so certain industries, you know, that we still see inflation, if you will, that hasn't, that hasn't gone away yet. So we will see the Fed continuing to hike. Um, you know, you, you have to, 
I, my way of looking at this, which it's always been, is we are in the contractionary phase of the cycle. Um, what happened during the expansionary phase is that the Fed cut rates a little bit at a time. If you remember, it looked like stairs coming down. Yeah, yeah. It was 25 basis points. And that's what helped expand. That's what, that's what helped um, lengthen the expansionary part. Corporate tax cuts, if you recall, a 35% down to 21, that helped expand um, the expansionary part of the cycle. That helped extend the expansionary part. And certainly the PPP money and all that money that was thrown into the system. Now we're in the contractionary period, um, the tightening period of the Fed. And the ideal thing would have been to have the stepped up, like on that ladder, to have that, you know, 25 or 50 up rather than this sort of shock of 75. So a lot of, a lot of um, economists and, and um, people who are <clears throat> CEOs are saying, you know, hey, we, we, we want to make sure that, the, that they don't continue to shock the system too much because we will see repercussions. My thought is that they can start slowing, um, you know, they, rather than doing 75 continuously, if they were to stick to 50 and then down to 25, it would give the, the, the economy time to adjust to the higher rates, and then we would have a better um, idea of what's going on. So although I see higher rates coming and I see the Fed continuing to raise, I'm hoping that they get smart in, in the next couple of meetings and start lowering, you know, going from 75 down to 50 or even 25 and just sort of waiting this out a little bit before they um, do too much. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I, I honestly... I mean, nobody's been a bigger inflation hawk for 20 years than me, and yet I think that the uh, the the things that cause inflation, the money supply going up, has actually stopped. And if I were these guys, I would stop at about three seven five for like six months and just see how things how yep. things play out. But the, the the damage they've done, you know, the people that are, are wailing and, and and sniveling on TV, the damage they uh, they're doing is not now. The damage wasn't bringing it down to zero in the first place. I mean, the, you, right. you 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 cause these housing prices to go to four oh seven. Yes, you exactly. cause them there. I mean, hundred percent. I, mean, I agree with you hundred percent. That that was there was an overextension on on the and on what I refer to as the expansionary stage and bringing you know home prices up. And now you have to do that balancing effect because you've got you still have high home prices and you also have mortgage rates that are now over seven percent. So. Um, that's a you know that I think is probably the clearest indicator of where this mistake, if you will, or this um, you know misstep in 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 and what to do with rates um, is appearing. I mean that's the easiest thing for I think individuals to understand. Wait a minute, we still have high you know prices on our homes. Maybe they've come down a little. Maybe the inventory's come down a little. But wow, we have to pay seven and a quarter yeah. you know for our, our rate if we want to buy this home or if we want to move. Well, I also you know when we wanted. You know, it's and that's the you know, especially for younger people, I think it's a real challenge. Younger professionals. Well, God, if you just bought a house eight months ago and got a three percent mortgage, if you think you have, to, if you ever have to move, you're, I mean, you're you're, you're going to take a huge hit on the house or something. But you, that's my point. Uh, I, I don't understand why these guys. I mean, the last two and a half years is these guys pump forty percent of money into the system. How many people, Dan, do we listen to on Tout TV and other places, or just people in a bar or, or coffee shop? What geniuses they were with these stocks! They weren't geniuses. Yeah. The f- the Fed blew them up for God's sake. Yeah, uh, no, and I I absolutely agree with you. And I think you know one of the points I I wanted to say today is just 
that the mindset, you've got to think of people who got in since 2008, and it may be people who are retired or semi-retired that say, hey, I can do this on my own because I've watched all these tech stocks. I can buy Amazon and Apple and Tesla. But now they're sort of saying, well, wait a minute, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't what I expected. So for those clients of mine that have personal accounts, you know, we keep in touch. I, I won't touch the, the extra risky stuff because that's not part of my strategy. But they're circling back now. We actually believe they're not giving me back some of this money that they had taken as um, personal money because they realize that there's a lot more to it than just, you know, liking liking the company or liking the manager or falling in love with a particular stock, which you should never do. So it's um, you have to look at the big picture, and we, we have, you and I have that perspective, plus we have the perspective of history where we can go back in time and say, yeah, this may not be exactly like it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, but we've been here before. What's and, um, and you know, we that you have to be very cautious on, on purchases. And too much of a good thing, like when things go up too much, that's usually a, a sign to uh, start cutting back. Uh, Dan, we're going to have to dash here a little bit early because we want to come back and get these numbers. But, hey, do you have a specific uh, uh, binder stack that you haven't given us before? Um, the, well, we've talked about um, SVC, which oh, yeah, is yeah. a bond. We've talked about OMF, which I like even more now than I okay. did when I gave it. OMF has... Um, some bonds that mature in March um, that you can still get six percent on, um, and that's that's one. Uh, OMF is a uh, consumer finance company. Um, we did talk about AFSI, which yep. is a private that's getting about six and six and a half or so. Uh, no, I like the same names that we've been in. Um, I would say it's time to probably lighten up on the utility names that I've mentioned, and I would say once you see higher rates on the short end. Step in. If you start seeing the, the two-year go to four and a half, start stepping in gradually. Don't make big moves into that area, but lock in some of that those higher rates and the say the the one-year T bill or the two-year T bill um, when we see the next increase up. All right, Dan, we got a dash, bud. The numbers coming up. Good stuff as yep. usual. Talk at you soon, yep. buddy. Take care of yourself. Yep, uh, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jackson. We want to a very quick break here that your investments will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Ben Burn of the board. SP Futures down 64. NSA Futures down 300. A huge dump here as this number came in at, at 0.4 uh, as opposed to a 0.3 estimate. Uh, not, not good. Um, and uh, why don't you do your stuff, uh, Matt, because these numbers are going to be flying all over the place. We'll, do, we'll have Colin, and then we'll go over this again before we have John on. But do your stuff quick, and then let's get right, get right to this stuff. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's currently uh, 7.33 on Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Uh, Chicago traffic, uh, very worth mentioning this morning, an earlier accident affecting the north and southbound of the Edens. It occurred before Peterson Avenue, exit 41B. Traffic is backing up on the southbound all the way to Tui Avenue, and on the northbound, back up onto the Kennedy. Keep in mind, both sides of the Kennedy are considerably backed up to the city, so watch out for that. Weather in Chicago, pretty clear this morning. We're currently at 43 degrees, today a high of 56, and a low of 38. In Phoenix, though, clear skies, currently 70 degrees, a high of 96, and a low of 69. The MLB playoffs yesterday, Phillies at Braves. Braves win 3 to nothing. San Diego Padres went out to Los Angeles and played Dodgers. Padres won 5-3. And today at 2.37, Mariners play Astros, and at 3.37, Guardians play Yankees. In the NFL, Chicago Bears play Washington Commanders tonight at Soldier Field. Game starts at 7.15 on Fox locally, and, and no, nowhere else. Uh, Bears currently stand at two wins and three losses. Uh, both wins this season have been at home. Hopefully tonight that continues the pattern. All for now, back to you, Chief. The, uh, I'm trying to go through here. Actually, it looks like the, uh, the number X food and energy was 0.6. Really, yikes. Mm. Trying to find the uh, stuff here. I know you got health insurance up 2.1% mm-hmm. in, a, in a month. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm looking here for what the hell's the rent and stuff. Oh, oh there we go. Uh, th- this is, these numbers are finally starting to pile through here. Rent of primary residence is point, up 0.8%. It's starting to work its way through. And owner's equivalent rent of residence. These have been really held down. I'll use that term, held down here mm. uh, for the year, and they're starting to percolate their way through, which I knew they would, even though they probably are actually going the other way now. These numbers, if the Fed just watches these numbers, they're going to be wrong yet again. Do we have Mr. Collin? We do indeed. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. We got everybody. Collin, what's up, buddy? We have a little abbreviated uh, thing this week, not as much uh, BS where I, where, where I talk. <laughs> so you were two. Morning, Chief. Good morning. You yeah, were three out of four last week. Everything was good, eh? It was a good week. Let's see if we can keep it rolling. Um, nice win for your Irish yeah. last week. And I did want to ask you real quick, Chief. Was were you? Was it gratifying to see Brian Kelly get his doors blown off last week against Tennessee? Uh, yeah. Although I tell you what, the Irish uniforms you could you can stick in the bag. <laughs> Are those things yeah. ugly or what? Yikes! I, I wouldn't wear those if I was an altar boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's jump right into it, Chief. I know we got a little bit of a quick time here, so we'll see if we can stay hot. Um, most of these plays will be in the college ranks. I did want to call it real quick, though. Carson Wentz uh, does have an injury tonight, so if you're 
this just came out this morning. So if you're really? betting bears tonight, keep that in mind. Wentz has a pretty serious uh, sh- uh, shoulder injury that just mm. came out. So, um, but yeah, I'll jump right into it in the college ranks. We're going to go to uh, Kansas as a nine-point uh, underdog traveling to Oklahoma this week. Uh, Chief, I'm sure you see this in your you know in your trade, but every week Oklahoma's coming out as a favorite, and every week I'm looking at the board saying, what am I missing here? And every week they get blown out. So uh, they're a nine-point favorite again this week. They're giving up almost 600 yards a game, and Kansas uh, had a great game with TCU last week, lost really kind of in the last minutes of the game. Their backup quarterback came in and was terrific. So we have a nine points there, so we'll take Kansas. Um, I'm going to move next to Syracuse as a three-point favorite at home against NC State. NC State quarterback uh, Devin Leary is out or banged up. So if that's the case, um, they beat Florida. NC State beat Florida State last week without completing a pass in the second half. Uh, Syracuse coming off a bye. They'll be in the dome. I have that number as a three-point favorite right now. So uh, Syracuse is 5-0 and playing good football. Uh, and then we'll move to also Mississippi State as a four-point favorite at Kentucky. Uh, kind of a similar scenario here. Kentucky quarterback Will Levitz is out with an injury. Um, that's a huge because he's considered by some to be the number one draft prospect for the NFL next year. Uh, they lost to a horrible South Carolina team last week. So if that's the case, again, I expect Mississippi State, Will Rogers, their quarterback, and uh, one of my favorite coaches, Mike Leach, to really rule again this week. And then we'll go to the NFL Chiefs. Uh, this is a pretty simple handicap for me. Going right back to the Patriots as a three-point underdog. Uh, they travel to Cleveland and take on the Browns. Browns, to me, it's just really bad check against uh, another inexperienced coach as an underdog on the road. Seems very straightforward to me, but I think the Patriots are the better team there. Colin, what what, what uh, league is Syracuse in these days? They were in the Big I'm East. I'm sorry, what was that, Chief? What league is Syracuse in? They were in the Big East way back, and they had to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's like the Continental Conference or something like that. I don't know the, the actual name, but um, this is the first time they've had a good team in, I want to say, like 10 or 15 years. They're in Mississippi State's in where? Are they in the... Are they in the SEC? Uh, they're, they're in the SEC, yep. And uh, they've come off a couple blowout wins against Arkansas, and they also blew out uh, Texas A&M, who's not a great team, but we saw last week they hung with Alabama until really the end of the game. So Mississippi State's kind of flying under the radar right now. Well, uh, Texas A&M's got more money than God, right? Well, they're as much money well, as Jim- Texas, but uh, they still have a huge budget. Jimbo Fisher's on a hundred million dollar contract. Chief. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Plus, they got a, <laughs> I mean, plus they got I a new mean, stadium. I mean, the stadium is massive too, right? I mean, they got like 80, ninety thousand people or something. Mm. Yeah, it's and the, and they're paying this guy a hundred million dollars, and he's done nothing there. So I, I, it's unbelievable to me that, that the money that these guys are getting. Um, we saw Paul Chris from Wisconsin got fired last week and he figured seven million dollar buyout. So. <laughs> well, the guy from Nebraska got nine, right? And if they'd have waited two weeks, it'd have been five. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's, it's, not, it's actually not a bad gig if you didn't get that type of uh, you know multi year contract and then you get fired. I guess they're having the last laugh and they're sitting on a pile of money when they get let go. So. Uh, the trading floor they used to call that OPM disease, other people's money. It's, yeah, it's baffling to me. Uh, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, mm-hmm. well next week, Colin, we won't have a CPI number, so we'll be able to take longer, bud. Uh, so take care of yourself. Uh, thank you, and uh, we'll be back. Well, we're not back. We're here. We have Mr. Flanagan already. John, what do you think of these numbers? By the way, you short spoos? <laughs> Morning, Tom. Yikes. Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> Janet, this is all... I, I don't get it. This is all so predictable. Now, when, the, in, when these prices are actually going down in some places, the CPI is going to show... If I know this, how do the people of the Fed not know this? It, it's been like this... I mean, I know they don't want to criticize you know, another, another branch of government, but it's been like this since, since, you know, since the dodo bird, for God's sake. When, when, when the stuff was going up, you'd sit there and go, wait a minute, last year the, uh, the, the, the price of homes went up 6%, according to CPI or home ownership, and yet prices were up 21, according to Case Shore, and mortgage rates were up 40. So explain to me how the hell last year the number was 0.6, and now this year the mortgage rates are going, um, well, it's still going up, but the price of houses has stopped going up and is coming down. How the hell, how, how is this number going, all of a sudden now going up? It shows that they don't even read the same numbers you and I read them. Or if they read them, they're reading them upside down. Right. I, just, I just don't understand how they, there's no way to reconcile such a completely wacko view. Um, because the data clearly shows something that I don't, I don't see how you can overlook or mm. tweak into something else. And yet they do it routinely. <laughs> well, let's see, you know, your garbage and trash collection is up 1.7. But, it, but these, these numbers are worse than anybody even thought because, you know, everybody was talking about the food prices, but just I'm looking at the CPI thing right here. And uh, if you look at the top part, uh, food prices uh, total, let's see, let's, let's go through the numbers. The uh, uh, seasonally adjusted percent change, and I don't really like to use this one, but I will. That's what they're using on TV. It's 0.4 percent, so the year the year over year is 8.2, which is supposed to be what 8.1 or 8. But it's so can't really look at the year over year. Look, look at the monthly, but it's 0.4. And uh, last last month was uh, was 0.1. Okay, and June was zero. So everybody really thought that this was working its way down. Now this is a pretty good sized spike, uh, 0.4. Man, I, I think nobody was expecting that, even though they were so food food at homes up 0.8. Okay. Uh, which is you know right right on the number here. The one that's uh, up a bunch is uh, cakes, cupcakes, and cookies up one point eight percent. Flour and prepared mixes up two percent. We you go through this whole thing. Uh, here's a frozen and refrigerated bakery products, pies, tarts, and turnovers up two point six percent. There you go. The but baker's the, paradise. Yeah, baker's paradise. So, the, uh, <laughs> so we've got get, get a load of this uh, pork chops. Down 1.2 percent. Uh, ham up 1.1. Uh, bacon up 0.6. Other pork, including roast steaks and ribs, up 4.1 percent. Now, <laughs> I happen to know because I like to cook ribs. They're actually down dramatically over the four months ago. They were up over four to 450 of a uh, 450 five dollars a pound, and now you can get them anywhere for three bucks. So I don't know. I don't know where these people get this timing. It's almost like they're on. You know, they, they they must work so slow. It must go from one desk to the other. We're actually reading. I I, I feel like I'm reading like May or June numbers here. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. It's it's got this feel that there's you know there's a lag factor here that is way off. And there's like how how could there be or why would there be such a lag? You would think. But, it, but it's been, this is, is but John, I think it's been there since the '70s when I first started looking at this stuff. Uh, fruits and vegetables way up. Frozen vegetables up three point eight percent a month. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, it's for whatever reason. Of, of maybe it's because of the hurricanes and stuff. Who knows? But uh, carbonated drinks up too. Um, well, we have other stuff here. And we'll, 
Food, food away from home up 0.9%. Anybody goes out to a restaurant knows that's, that's for sure. Mm. But here, here's one. Food at employee sites and schools up 45%. God. But that's only, you know, I mean, what, I don't know what, how we'll even get that one. Uh, anyway, but in, energy uh, actually down, energy come out, and energy's down 2.1%. Uh, well, gas is shot back up. So, you know, gas is shot back up the last two weeks, right? 60 cents. Yeah. So it's up probably yeah. 25% in the last two weeks. Now, when, when will that come through here? I mean, I don't know. Uh, utilities, pipe gas service up almost 3%. They got gasoline down 5.2%. Well, I don't. As well, probably in the month of September, that's true. But in October, it's going to be it's going to bounce right back up, right? It should. Yeah. Uh, so all items less food and energy is point six, which is exactly what we don't want to see. I mean, most of that is in the housing stuff. Although here you go, how many? Th- do you guys go out and buy linens? Linens up two point six percent. Even though winter coverings are down three percent, where, where do they get this stuff? <laughs> and the thing is, every one of these lines. If you look at the full report, it has like 50 sub-columns. I mean, there's all kinds of people that work on this stuff. It's, 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 uh, it's outstanding, you know, I mean, the stuff you look at. Uh, furniture, up 4.2%. I, mean, I understand that anyone would want to buy furniture. It is, it is pretty expensive. We just go down this whole this whole, route, the whole thing here, but the key part, obviously, is new vehicles are up another 0.7%. New cars up 0.8%. New trucks, 06 Uh you know, the, 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 it is relentless in any, in any of that area. Uh, finally, finally, you're going to get medical care commodities. They got commodities down 0.1, but I don't, I don't see where that's where that's coming from. Uh, and then you've got, uh, let's see, where, where am I getting to my, the houses and stuff? Alcoholic beverages up 0.00. So that's the good news. Booze is not up, according to these guys. Alcoholic beverages away from home, however, up 0.5 percent. John, so you mm-hmm. want to drink at home by yourself. Now my, now, my question to you, and, and for Matt, hmm. if your dog is home, are you really drinking alone? Hmm. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, the dog may not be, you know, matching you, you know, shot for shot. But, <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely a co-enabler. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See, this, this bar downstairs in our building, they got, they got all these young kids in there. coming for, and, and I don't know why. We were never big shot guys. But these guys, these young people are huge shot guys. You see, I see this guy last week walking by with a tray. He went up to the bar. He must have 25 or 30 shots on the tray for his, must have been an after-work party or something. God's sake, John, I think they charged 9 bucks a shot. <laughs> so the next morning, I had to go over uh, to go to the bank and do something. I, I see the, the uh, I think it's a Southern Beverage truck uh, pull up behind this little bar. Mm. And the guy pulls out, he's got like 7 or 8 cases of, of Jameson's on the dolly, wheeling them in and going, well, there they go. There, there's the shots. That's um, how they pay their light bill. <laughs> anyway, Jan, we can't. We got to talk about it. Spoos are down 79. This is a dramatic drop here. Uh, Nasdaq's down 331. I don't, I don't see why the Fed is. I'm the biggest critic ever of these people. Why they can't come out and say, um, even though the the numbers are, are working their way through the CPI, we think that when we get to 3.75, we're going to stop for a while because we think we've broken the back of the accelerator due to inflation and we're going to wait for a few months why can't they just say that because that's what they should do that's the truth and it, they'll never do it they're going to screw this up just as bad on the back end as they did on the front end why 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 do i see this coming or on the way it's here well it's just i think it's just it's going to happen this is traditionally 
how they've handled this. Really, there's so many ways they could just you know do smoke signals to say you know uh, you know we can ease off or we you know we went at this a little too aggressively. We don't have to you know keep this up at least not maybe for another you know thirty sixty days or whatever and see what happens. But but the the signals they send are all to me just part of just you're pouring gasoline on the flames. It doesn't give you any kind of hope that they have a real long term. You know, prospect here of where this could end up, or what's what it's going to take before they ever do reverse direction. So, I, I think they are so checked out, and you know, we're lucky, I guess, in here that we don't have as, as acute a situation as they have in Europe, which is, looks like it's just imploding before our eyes. Um, but it, it's it's got you know the same energy behind it here. It's going in the same direction. It looks like to me. I am I'm agreeing. I don't. I just it, it bothers me when you, when you get people in these jobs. And Janet Yellen the other day, who, who you know is not my favorite person, they said, well, how did you manage to miss this inflation? Jen, it was right there. You and I talked about it every week. It was right in front of everybody's face, for God's sake. It's been there for 15 years, if you look at their 20 years, if you look at the medical areas. And then Janet Yellen said, well, she she was uh, fooled by the uh, supply chain. Jen, that, that had come on, minimal. Come on, come on. What else were you fooled by? Well, but plus, you're in a job to not get fooled. That's why we're paying yeah, you. Precisely. I mean, if, if it's you and me in there, you know, Mickey Demope, uh, well, yeah, we've got the wrong. What's he doing in here? Of course, he's going to get fooled. But, I mean, just open your eyes. Open the door in a limousine. Look around you once in a while. I mean, it's, it's right there. I mean, this is not like you and I are geniuses. I mean, we're not, or we'd be like something. I don't know what we'd be, but we'd, we'd be residents of uh, where? The Isle of Man with some huge mansion and been spending springs in. Uh, Salt Lake or uh, Springs of Spring Training and and mm. falls in uh, in Florence or someplace like that over in Italy. What you know, we, we it, but this is this is this is the, your job is to watch out for stuff like this and and they manage to. I can't believe they're screwing it up again on a way out, just as they did on OEN. The same well, people. It makes, it makes me wonder, Tom. You know, when, when they give Nobel prizes to Ben Bernanke for economics, and you would think that you know, one of the, the criteria. Should, should be that well. It, you, you can see stuff coming down the pike that everybody else misses. If you're really an astute economist, you know history, you know the patterns, you know sort of the natural law of how these things go up or down, and you, you, you've been trained to read signals in ways that the average person is just not capable of doing. So it's just, it should be a special skill set that I could, you know, if you want to reward somebody for having an unusually good skill set, that's one thing. But look at, you know, what, <laughs> while Bernanke was in there, what happened here, you know, and th- that we never heard about until it was too late to do anything about it, and we're still paying the price for it. W- why get prizes for that? I mean, well, wait, 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 Reserve chairmanship. Right. It was, yeah. It was a book but he you wrote. Tell, you know, there's, there's no mitigation in this issue, too. I, I think he was he became part of the problem rather than the solution. Right. But he he he, he became he won the Nobel Prize for a, a work he did about the history of the depression, which I have to read. I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what Milton Friedman actually won it for, but he and why he didn't he, he should have won it for he should have won it two years in a row. For the monetary history of the United States from uh, 18 something something to 1960, it's an absolutely Herculean work of of history. I don't know. I don't know what we would do in the, well, the, in, the in the economic world if he didn't do that work. I mean, I can't even imagine, John. There's there's charts in there 
matter of fact, I got it at home. I'll bring it in. I'll, I'll bore the hell every day for a couple minutes. Uh, there's charts in there to talk about uh, how they were able to figure out how much the banks had and hot money and all these different definitions they had in those days. Every chart had to take somebody a month to, or, more, or more, maybe a year, to get the, to get the, uh, uh, the stuff, you know, the, the raw data for those charts. We're talking about stuff, you know, before the Civil War, for God's sake. Well, I mean, after. Uh, you know, in, in, in this kind of, the banks had this hot money and this and that and the other thing. Before, before there was a Federal Reserve and everybody keeping track of this stuff. So as to where they, they, they were able to sum up these totals, I have no idea. But, but it, it's, it's the, just, just the, the work. I mean, I, I, I imagine Bernanke did some, uh, well, I hope he did because he got a prize, did some unusual work regarding stuff in the Depression that nobody dug up before. I'm hoping. I mean, that's that's why you would get a prize like that. It's not really well, for your policy. And not to take anything away from anybody's scholarly pursuits for work they did, but I guess my my concern is, you know, there's a there's a tremendous irony in someone who supposedly had such in depth knowledge of you know past economic uh, trends or you know the way the system has has failed in the past, and you put such a person in a, in a position of, of power. And maybe this isn't even Bernanke's fault. It's people who had confidence in, in him that was misplaced or oversold or something. But it shows that this, you know, the academic knowledge of the past and, and being able to perceive trends or present-day catastrophes are completely different things. And it doesn't necessarily arm you to be any better equipped than you or I to kind of legislate for what kind of you know, reactions we have to what's happening around us. And in tough times, I guess you want people who, whatever their academic background may be, or how much they know about what happened 80 years ago, they can smell disaster down the pike. And we, do, we have a, a huge shortage of people who can do that, clearly. They don't see disasters coming down the pike at all, as far as I can Well, I think one of the problems with, and I'll put Bernanke in the same camp as I, I in some ways, is Milton Friedman, is they... Their view of the world, their ivory tower view of the world, is is just different than ours. And there's, there's like there's like top down management and there's bottom up management. And uh, you know Milton Friedman, I'm, I'm going to bet you that when I read this book, um, it's going to be chapter and verse of what Milton Friedman thought about the the, the depression and, and, the, and the causes of it and what the Fed could have done differently and so forth. And it all comes down to this 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 top top down sort of thing where we let the money supply collapse 32 percent in six months or whatever we we shouldn't have let that happen okay uh i agree I'm, I'm, i mean i mean you're never gonna get me to disagree on that but now the question is how do you how do you get it to not let it collapse if you just and, and bernanke i could just tell whenever whenever we've, we've gone into this kind of mess when he was in there especially after 2008 and and he was trying to to fight the depression, like if he had a, he had a chance to redo it and do it right this time, so he poured money into the system. But my my concern is is that if if you do that, like if Milton Friedman, if he's right, if we could go back and do it over again, and you just poured thirty percent more money into the system somehow, if you could even do it, because I don't even know in those days. I guess you could have bought something, uh, you know, but there, there wasn't the float of the federal uh, bonds. So you couldn't just go out and buy those like you can now. Uh, there wasn't that kind of float. So maybe they could have bought some corporate debt. And they, could, they could, I suppose, even could have bought some stocks to get money in the system, which I think would have helped somewhat, Jen. But my view is is totally different. It, 
my view is always a, is a bottom-up kind of thing. Okay, this person, the, these 50 million people all got hurt. How did they get hurt? Well, they got hurt, A, because they don't have a job, but that can come back. But all their savings are now gone for no, no problem with their own. And they went to the bank, and Grandma got her nose broken by the door hitting her in the nose and saying, your, your savings are gone. Get the hell out of here and boot her in the ass, basically, right? right. And, uh, and, uh, so, so somehow or another, to me, I have to say, I've got to fix the problem for these people bef- and let that filter up instead of just pouring it in the system in the, in the top and let it filter down. Because I guarantee you, if I poured money in the top of the system, it wasn't going to get to, uh, you know, City, City Bank of Inglewood or someplace right. to where they were going to reopen and all of a sudden Grandma was going to get her a check. That was never going to happen if you poured in through the top. And that's what these, these guys never seem to learn. They fix the top. They fix the numbers. They don't fix the people. Now, the only way to have done it would have said, okay, how many people lost their savings last month? The answer would be $4 million. Mm-hmm. All right, how many? What did the average person lose? 2000 All right, well, we can't afford 2000 but the money we're going to put into the system, we're going to give everybody, we're going to borrow from the people who have it. And by the way, we're going to give everybody $0.25 cents on the dollar of their savings or $0.30 cents or $0.50. I mean, you're not going to be able to do the home best probably. But you got to get the money to you got to get the money to your grandma, because she's the one who's in trouble. Pouring it in the tap and giving it to Rockefeller doesn't do anybody any good except Rockefeller, right? Mm. This, and this was the mindset. I mean, under Hoover, when you had you know Andrew Mellon as the Secretary of the Treasury, a whole class of people that were insulated from whatever was going to happen to the average person. And I think Bernanke and a lot of other people fall into this group that you know they they do not. You know, feel any of the concussions that the average person has. A, a bank failure to them doesn't mean what a bank failure means to, to the depositors of that bank. Um, they don't understand, nor do they care apparently very much about what happens down below. They, they don't even know it's happening, and apparently they couldn't care less. If they could do anything to prevent it, they wouldn't th- see that as a pressing need. And unfortunately, that's, that's really the kind of class we seem to be drawing all of these bureaucrats from. They're people who, you know, Profit shamelessly off the system they're designed to control. Look at uh, Janet Yellen, and you get them in there in positions of, of any kind of power or executive authority, and you see how they wield it. It's, it's just totally reckless of the average person. I think needs, and they don't they don't even care how it's perceived by people. Tom, that's what really gets me. They just it just rolls off of them. They have no shame or any kind of embarrassment about it at all. Well, no, I, you know one of the things if you read uh, uh, some of the stuff about about Roosevelt and. Uh, Again, I mean, Roosevelt made a lot of mistakes. I mean, again, the internment camps and everything else. I mean, I, mm. I mean, there's there's a list of mistakes that you know go on the on the bad Roosevelt side of the page. But uh, the thing that was incredible uh, to me, John, is he always, uh, even though he was basically in a wheelchair, locked up in the White House for how many years, uh, he he did everything. I mean, the whole the whole theme of the Winds of War was that uh, Victor Henry was in the uh, he was an attaché at the Berlin Embassy, right? He was a naval attaché. And Roosevelt met him at a White House dinner. He made sure he brought him over. And he said, hey, I want a letter from you every week of what's going on in Germany, and I don't want it going through your, your superiors. I don't want it going through. I want this in the diplomatic pouch. I'll make sure it gets in there. I want to read your feel on what's going on in Germany. Are they working two shifts in the submarine plants? Are they working one? Are they working weekends? I want to know what's going on over there. And the same thing he did with uh, well, through Hopkins, who's a uh, you know there's all stories about whether she was uh, 
his wife's gay girlfriend yeah, or whatever. But, yeah, they they said, look, here, here's a driver, here's a car. Can you imagine in those days? I want you driving, drive this lady all around the country. I want to know every town you go in, what's going on there. He, he had this idea that he couldn't just talk to lobbyists. He couldn't just talk to the schmoes around him, not that they were schmoes. I can't just talk to the same people and find out what's going on everywhere else. I need my own sources that are only mine, that don't don't go through my people, don't go through a lobbyist. Don't go and I, to a certain extent, at least he had the knowledge that he needed that, I think. You know, and as to well, and it's intelligent, you know, surveillance or information gathering or, or intelligence gathering that you know I think does kind of set him apart from other presidents. Some of probably maybe have done it more effectively just by you know when presidents actually read their own mail. Yeah, well, yeah. Somebody real intercepted it or diverted it, but but Roosevelt did have some kind of curiosity, and it was key to his image that he, he could talk to people because he felt he already knew where they were coming from. And people would, would often say, well, you know, he, he knows who I am. I never met him, but he knows exactly w- what I am all about. And this this is because he really did, he did have a kind of curiosity about it. I don't think we've had a, a president with that kind of curiosity in decades. So when he maybe, was... you know, half centuries. And I don't know, really, if, if anybody could stand to hear what's really going on and felt they had any kind of part in creating this mess and not being able to do very much about it. They probably just want to walk away from the job if they knew how badly people were doing or how much they were hated for, for not doing what needed to be done. John, we got a dash. Things were, things were different back then. People, you know, presidents had a little more nerve or more curiosity about what they were doing. So. Well, I think uh, well, we got a dash, but I, I think I read once in the war years, on every day up until he stopped to have his martinis at 4 in the afternoon, he had, he had somebody in the office every half hour from either a union or a... A business or whatever, mm-hmm. and would pick that person, and that's that's how he knew more about what was going on than anybody else. Was, these people went there to see the president. He went there because he wanted to know what they knew. <laughs> I mean, how many people have that mental capacity to be able to do that? No, but how many people have the energy to even listen to it without just you know, dozing off? I, I can't think of any president who would no. give a blankety blank about what any of these people would have to say anymore. Oh, would they, they wouldn't even know what they're talking yeah. about. Trump, Biden, give me a break. SP Futures down 65. That's a rally. We, I think we touched down 80. SP Futures down 283. They were down over 300. So I guess it's a little bit of a comeback. Again, CPI number uh, minus 0.4, minus 0.6, or positive 0.4, positive 0.6. Uh, X Energy, worse than anybody thought. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I did not know that.